This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host Ethan Hamilton. This is episode 114, the third of our 2022 summer series, covering the fifth and sixth rounds of our mock Dynasty startup draft. But first, we apologize that we were off last week. Our work schedules and holiday plans didn't match up. So instead, we're going to be giving you a double shot this week of us with a part two that will come out later this week, and then back to our normal schedule hopefully next week. Second, E, did you have a nice Independence Day while we still have a country to celebrate? Without getting too political, that didn't do too much of anything. (laughs) Yeah, it was very nice to have a three-day weekend. In fact, I think my biggest selling point if I ever became president, and no, no one should ever vote for me for president, would be that my first act as president would be to make sure there's a three-day weekend pretty much every month. We have some type of federal holiday promoting that because people work too damn hard in this country. I could go for something like that. I think most people could, but it's not much of a selling point when I'm sure inflation would increase under my durain or uh, my reign. So, oh, well, uh, you'll just have to fantasize about me being president later on. Third, this is normally the time of year to talk about NBA transactions, but today we had a sort of blockbuster trade made, and what I mean by that is it involved a big name. Baker Mayfield goes to the Panthers for a conditional fifth-round pick. How do you feel about this move, and what, if any, are the bigger implications for this? I think it's better for everyone involved, honestly. Bigger implications, I don't really think there's any like big implications that is going on, but I think it is an upgrade for anyone, for everyone, the Browns to get rid of Baker, Baker to be uh, rid of the Browns, um, even some of the Panther offensive offensive um, pieces uh, get a bump as well as in like DJ Moore for me and even Christian McCaffrey, I think he gets a bump as, as well. But um, I mean, I don't think it's anything that's going to change the dynamic of the NFL. So I think I saw somewhere on Twitter, it was one of the NFL network guys like Tom Pelissero or Greg Rosenthal or one of those guys mentioned this as a comment in the after effects of the trade that the Panthers have now traded a second round pick, a third round pick, two fourths, a fifth and a sixth round pick to get a quarterback room of Matt Corral, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. That's not great. It's um, but it just, it just goes to show you how important that position is in today's NFL. Well, and how desperate David Tepper is to have a franchise quarterback. I think you have too much talent on the Panthers anyway to not have a quarterback. I, I don't think they're like a Super Bowl team, but they're for sure a better team than what they've been showing over the last couple of years. If they could even get moderate to decent, like Kirk, Coven- Kirk Cousins level play, from one of their quarterbacks, they'd be actually a maybe 500 on the verge of the playoffs type team, because I don't think they have a bad defense and they have plenty of playmakers on offense. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're a team that should make the playoffs and a team that should be fighting to win at least a playoff game every single year. I think they have a good enough roster to, to accomplish that. 
And as much as we've said there's widespread talent at the quarterback position, they have spent way too much capital trying to get somebody in for them not to have at least a decent or above average quarterback in their room right now. So maybe this is the move for them, but I just don't see him as being a franchise quarterback. And to me, this is another one of those band-aid moves that they put on there. I mean, to be fair, they didn't risk much in order to get him in, but with Matt rule potentially being on the hot seat going into this year, I could see Carolina completely blowing it up after the end of this season and trying to go for one of those quarterbacks in the top 10, if it just goes completely South again this year. Yeah, I can most definitely see that. Uh, and I, I had a thought in my head as you were talking, and then as soon as my turn came to talk, I completely lost it. Um, but essentially, what I was the best say, of us. No, oh, got it. I just had to keep talking. Um, you know, it, he's a kind of a lot. I think the best case scenario for Baker Mayfield is he shows a little bit of a resurgence like Jameis Winston did, where all hope was lost, but we know the number one talent is there. No, it's not going to, like I said, it's not going to change the landscape of the NFL, but we know he's a talented quarterback. He wouldn't have been into if he wouldn't have been taken number one overall if he wasn't a talented quarterback. Sometimes a change of scenery, sometimes a change pace is needed, especially in this league. I also think Baker Mayfield has a lot of maturing to do. I think he's a very, very immature person to play the position that he plays. He is a very carefree guy, and I think that's good to a point. But I also think he's one of those guys that tries to deflect a lot. And he, I think a lot of the outside noise really does affect him more than he would like to leave it on. So I think what is needed is just if they can get him to kind of just relax, kind of just be free and let the offense come to him. He's got the, he's got the pieces on, on offense to be a successful quarterback. I honestly think DJ Moore is the best wide receiver that he's had to play with in this entire career. And I think that, um, Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback that DJ Moore has had to play with his entire career as well. So I do think there are some positives going forward, but I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Certainly. And I don't think it's going to be sorted out anytime soon, but it is at least something to talk about. So finding no fault with any of your arguments there, let's move over to our summer series and recap where we're at with our mock startup draft. Shall we? Where we left off last time, we had 40 players currently off the board. If you're interested to see who, please visit the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com and click on the Dynasty download page to view all the latest articles from the show, or you can follow the links in the episode descriptions, as I won't take the time to be reading back every name taken so far. That being said, here are the biggest names still left on the board, the biggest one being someone we talked about at the end of the last episode that we did, Tyreek Hill. Then we also have Garrett Wilson, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Patrick Mahomes, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Jacobs, and Leonard Fournette. Any predictions for how the next two rounds are going to go this week? I think maybe we're going to start to see a couple more quarterbacks taken this time around for sure. Um, honestly, the rest is its kind of going to be a crapshoot, kind of going to be depending on where you rank rookies compared to proven, maybe aging talent. I think that's kind of the point of the draft where we're at. Well, I see kind of a run of quarterbacks somewhere in this range. 
I also see a couple of tight ends that are a little bit older in the tooth, but very possibly could still give you an advantage that are worth taking. So it'll be a little bit curious, but I still think we're going to continue probably our biggest run on wide receivers because they're in bunches here in the middle rounds. And then maybe a couple of running backs that are 26 or older, just kind of continuing this trend until we get to some of the up and comers that eventually we'll be drafting kind of in a rookie draft semblance much further down the board. So with that, I have the first overall pick going for round five. This team currently has Jamar Chase, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, and Chris Godwin. So it could very well use a quarterback. It could also use a tight end. But I think the value here at where he's at is just a little bit too much to pass up on. So I'll do the obvious and I'll go with Tyreek Hill here. Him in Miami, it's, I think it's going to be a lot bigger jump than a lot of people want to admit. At least that's kind of where I'm at. You and I both agreed on that. And I think that's why he's going at pick 41 overall. But you know how the San Francisco system works. They like to get guys out in space, and there's nobody better in space and gaining yards after the catch than Tyreek Hill, or at least hasn't been for the last several years. Now, he's not built like Debo Samuel, but I do think that Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are both going to at least produce some level of talent and yardage, obviously fantasy points, in this system. It's just a matter of, is he going to produce at the same level and at the same clip that he was last year when he had Patrick Mahomes? I think everybody is collectively concerned about him getting Tua Tagovailoa as his starting quarterback and if Tua can even stay healthy. But this newer offense, I do think they're going to have some very drawn-up plays for Tyreek Hill. So given how much he's produced fantasy wise the last several years. And I know it's a switch of quarterbacks, it's a switch of systems, et cetera. And we are worried about him getting paid and basically taking the time off. I'm a little bit worried here, but at this pick level or at this late value, I have to think that that overcomes a lot of the concerns. It's already baked in. All right. So pick number two. And let's get into the point of the draft where I got to like double check and triple check to make sure nobody was taken. I'm going to actually take uh, Aaron Jones at this point in the draft. I think he is going to have an expanded role in the offense with Devontae being gone. Um, we know what he is, and we know that he hasn't been overworked over the course of the last couple of years either, and I think he's just going to play more of a role in the passing game as A.J. Dillon takes over more uh, carries and offense. He's an absolute steal if you're trying to win now this year. I can't imagine that Green Bay is going to bring him back at his cap number of, I think, over $20 million next year, but given the inexperience at wide receiver that Green Bay has coming into this year, and the fact that he was already the second leading receiver on the Packers last season, I only see his receiving role expanding. So if you are in a even a half-point PPR league, I think he's an absolute steal at this level. It's just a matter of how long do you think he's going to stick around in Green Bay? I only think it'll be this year. And then what's his longevity long-term, and where will he end up next? Because I can't imagine if the Packers want him to restructure 
because there's no way any team is giving a running back 20 million that is he going to stick around because they've now basically asked him to take a pay cut. That's usually not the case. And they already have an heir apparent there in AJ Dillon. So I just can't imagine that happening, but this is a nice win now move, especially with having Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor on this team. All right. So pick three here. Again, I'm just going to go with some of the early value. It's a running back who is age 23. He's coming off of an ACL injury, and we still know that he's probably the second best producing running back on the team, depending on how you treat Lamar Jackson. But I will go with J.K. Dobbins here. Not worried at all about the knee, because I think the Ravens still are a little bit. I don't think this is a win now mode, but you already have Austin Eckler and David Montgomery on this team, and you have a number one wide receiver and a number one tight end. So this is more drafting for long-term value and a guy that I think can still produce because yes, he may not be ready right away this year, but next year, even at the back end of this year, is he going to be a potentially productive and valuable piece to you in a highly efficient rushing offense yes i think that will be the case at some point okay pick four Uh, pick four i may do a little bit of a shock by leaving somebody on the board uh, by taking this guy but i am i this is my team that i really like a lot that's very very young very very explosive so i'm going to add to that and i'm going to add to that with the position that i haven't taken yet so i'm taking lamar jackson at quarterback for this team Wow. Yep. I know Patrick Mahomes is still on the board. I get that. Yes. But I cannot. Lamar Jackson is still 25 years old. They are surrounding him with a bunch of pieces where on this offense where it's just kind of like, all right, like we're getting you everything you need to be successful. We are afraid of his legs, right? And I think his arm is still super underrated for the type of for the type of people that he's able to throw the ball to with Mark Andrews. And I think, like I said before, Rashad Bateman, I think he's going to have a really big year as well. So uh, I'm going to Mark Jackson and young squad, hoping that they peak in a couple of years. No, I can understand where you wanted to go quarterback with this team. I just think that Mahomes or Justin Herbert are there and they're a little bit safer of picks. If, if that's one way of putting it, I just have a little bit of a problem drafting my number one quarterback being a rusher first. And I know Lamar is held up better than most thought he would, especially myself, but he did miss some time last year. And over time, it just seems to take its toll that the mileage eventually adds up. So I just defer to pass first pocket passing type guys. And I know Mahomes and Herbert add a little bit with their feet, not to the level of Jackson. So I think this is a little bit peak value as opposed to drafting younger. If you were truly going younger with this team, I would have gone Justin Herbert, but that's just me. So I have the team that is kind of all over the place. I have two receivers, one really young and one slightly younger, and then an explosive running back with a guy coming off of injury So I think that because of that, I really owe it to this team to try and find a steady running back presence that in case anybody's hurt, that this guy can fill in. 
And I don't really feel that great about a ton of the running backs on the board at the moment. But that being said, I will take playoff Leonard Fournette. This is a very interesting team that you have. I know. That's really all I have to say about it. <laughs> very interesting squad. Um, for Lenny, it's just I can't see much of him past this year. You know, for, with him, that's it's just fair. year by year. Yep. So that's my only, that's my only knock. Well, you have two younger wide receivers, so I think you can take a few skips on wide receiver. It might be a little bit much to try and go with one of the tight ends here. You could go a quarterback, or you could try and get a steady running back presence that had a career year last year and that you might be able to eke one more year out in case either Christian McCaffrey or Cam Akers don't come back from their injuries at completely full health. Yeah, I see it. It's not a good position. Frankly, with this team, I probably have not put them in a great spot, but you know, it's, it is what it is. All right. I have already made my selection for team six, adding to what I would say is a pretty decently young squad. Yes. Um, Again, going with another quarterback that is very, very young, that has a lot of potential because I think this squad does have a lot of potential. So I'm going to go with Justin Herbert to this one. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think he's in a very productive offense. I think he is the rising star that we probably pegged Mahomes for a couple of years ago. My only concern for this year, as opposed to last, and it's maybe a redraft thing more of than a long-term issue with him, is that I think they had to throw the ball a lot last year because of how bad that defense was. And they also went for more touchdowns as opposed to field goals. So he was on for a lot of fourth downs. So does that take a dip in some of his numbers? But I think long-term and upside, there's really nobody I think that might be higher other than maybe Josh Allen. So this next team, we have Kyle Pitts, Cooper Cup, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley. Again, kind of a mix of a hodgepodge of names, not really a great strategy overall. And I've maybe put this team a little bit behind the eight ball. So I do feel like taking a younger wide receiver is probably a must. So with that in mind, I'm going to go Chris Olave here for this team. Wow. 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 I don't know if I'm just super biased because of like how I feel about this rookie class again you know i've been on record pretty a lot about it and i know they're not as bad as like i've been talking about i just don't think the level um, between a lot of people is that different and i just don't know where they're going to end up top end talent like in three or four years you know where it's just like oh man this guy was a can't miss i don't know when i see it i see a lot of wide receiver twos a lot of wide receiver threes um and honestly that's not that bad like to be in the top 10 to 20 receivers on an annual basis, there are a lot of good fantasy wide receivers that you can have on your team consistently. I mean, Allen Robinson's been that. I think he's had one top 10 overall, other than last year's just complete and utter disaster. He's been a very good fantasy consistent wide receiver for a long time. Is he going to be the elite Devonte Adams ever? No, but is he a guy that you need to have occasionally because he's a good flex option? Absolutely. 
think this year in general, he's going to make a lot of noise. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, the future is bright for him, for sure. You know, um, Jameis Winston is not an old quarterback, so it's not like he's going to lose his quarterback in a couple of years or anything like that. So, Well, the team is currently constituted. You have Cooper Cup, who I think coming off of that career year is more likely to regress and probably in a major way because usually coming off of a career year, guys have not fared very well the next season, whether you're talking about Christian McCaffrey a couple of years ago, Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago, uh, Michael Thomas being the most prime example of this. So it's just, it gives me a little bit of wariness, but you're also drafting two guys that are coming off of some injuries and some kind of down years compared to a couple of years ago in Kamara and Barkley. And I think Kyle Pitts is about ready to take off. That was your first round pick. So if there's a wide receiver that you want to take this younger, but that could hit his stride and is the most likely to produce right away, this guy might be it outside of Drake London. So that's why I go him here over maybe a Garrett Wilson or a Jamison Williams, who is not necessarily going to be able to produce early on in the year due to that knee injury. All right. All right. Uh, team eight for me. I have... already has a quarterback, so you'll need to go a little bit different on this one. Yep. Got two wide receivers, got one running back quarterback. I'm going to add another wide receiver, not somebody that I love, um, but hopefully looking for a surprise kind of a season. Antonio Gibson. Um, what is this year three now for him? Year four. Yeah. It's one. I think, it's, this I, is year think, three. I think it's year three. I think it's year three. Pretty sure. So still only 24 years old. Yeah, 24 years old. The issue that I have with him now is that they're talking about, you know, moving that into a committee. I think he has been surprisingly doing pretty well for moving from wide receiver to running back here in the NFL, especially with staying healthy as well. So he'll be a big factor in the passing game. We know that already. It's just how how are they going to utilize him in, in the running game? Obviously, you're hoping best-case scenario, he'll be like a poor man's Austin Eckler. But, you know, I, I feel pretty good with him as, at getting him here in, what, round five as my running back, too. I feel pretty good about that moving forward. Agreed. And I really don't see any true problems with that. I guess I'd be concerned a little bit for what the talk is coming out of Washington, his drop-off last year, and the fact that they pretty highly drafted Brian Robinson. I just don't know exactly what the Washington team plan is, and it seemed that Gibson only does well with high volume, and given that the early rumors are that he's not going to get the level of volume it did two years ago when he had his breakout year, I'm a little bit concerned on the long term for him, but at this stage you're pretty much trying to draft either guys that are probably well past their prime or at the back end of their prime, or maybe taking a flyer on another guy here or there that you really have no idea how they're going to produce, which unfortunately leaves me in the position of team nine, which only has Derek Henry currently on the roster and has three good wide receivers. So I'm going to, reach maybe a little bit, but this is a guy I'm very high on that I think could have another good year because I think Green Bay is going to need to use both of its backs. So I'm going to take A.J. Dillon here. 
You know, I think it's a little early, but at the same time, I completely understand where you're coming from. Like, I think A.J. Dillon could have a very, very big year this year. Well, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of this team probably needs a run, another running back. It's got a lot of good now talent, but you're looking at it and it, Josh Jacobs is on the board and we don't know what his situation will be after this year. You could maybe reach and take somebody like a Kenneth Walker or a James Cook, but I'm not necessarily as high as on them as A.J. Dillon, who could take over at any point and be the lead back in a productive offense. Or you go with maybe a James Conner, who's going to be a touchdown monster, but he never has had a full season of health. You know, And how much longer is he going to last in Arizona? I think he's relatively young yet, but you know, it, it, those are your choices, or you reach a little bit up the board in order to get somebody that you think is going to be productive and get your guy. And so that's where I go here, thinking that on the comeback, either you take maybe a James Conner or reach at another one of those positions where you could maximize value. I get it. Like I said, I understand the pick. All right. Um, team 10 for me, I do not like this team at all. A.J. Brown, Brees Hall, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans. I am going to add uh, Ken Walker to the squad. Only having one running back, you know, now I get two um, rookie running backs. Just looking for pieces and assets at this point in time to uh, keep building further or, I don't know, hopefully get a strike of uh, dumb luck. But like I said, I'm with you. I'm not huge on um, Ken Walker. I'm not huge on the Seattle Seahawks in general, but that's just this year. We don't know what's going to happen down the road. So, you know, holding on to him and praying that some type of amazing miracle happens. Well, I mean, Rashad Penny had the breakout at the end of last year and won a lot of people their playoff matchups, at least in redraft positions. So there's some potential for that offense, although they were operating with Russell Wilson at the time, but it wasn't like he was peak Russell Wilson going through that stage or the last, what, five weeks of the season. So there's a possibility, especially since they really want to pound the rock this year. It's a problem, though, that Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback and you know they're going to stack the box. Now, the question for me remains here. Is this a team, if you take or Ken Walker at this position, is this kind of a situation where maybe you have to reach for Rashad Penny to lock down a running back spot? No, me, honestly, no. Uh, And I, I'm just not huge on handcuffs. Like you are like that. I'm not going to waste a pick on somebody when I feel there's somebody of higher value there. I'm not going to play the the injury game. Injury is just a part of a part of fantasy. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. And um, I think sometimes you do can do too many handcuffs and then you have to make tough roster decisions. And that's just not something I am too fond of doing. Like the famous commercial says, sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. You have another yep. pick, my friend, coming back on the snake. Um, and with that pick, I'm going to take Elijah Moore, uh, wide receiver from the Jets. I'm just trying, like I said, same squad. I'm just trying to build assets. Uh, 22 years old, hoping that this is a huge year for Zach Wilson, and it needs to be a big year for Zach Wilson if he wants to have that job moving forward. Um, But Elijah Moore, you, me, Ben, Dana, we all feel like there is a lot of potential that he has. 
it's really just a squad and a quarterback and a landing spot that he's in that really is the big question. So hopefully they can unleash a little bit of him this year. Absolutely. I think very highly of him. The question for me remains, you take him over two guys that I think are ranked higher by most, I guess, dynasty analysts in Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a bigger end to the year last year. And so I think has rightly earned some praise. And also Garrett Wilson, his teammate, who was drafted as the 10th overall pick this last year. I guess, why do you pick him ahead of both of those guys? Again, just hoping that, you know, the hype kind of lines up with what he is capable of doing. And I just feel like, too, you know, with being in New York, you know, um, that can kind of help the trade value a little bit too, if he is as successful as he needs to be, because he'll be talked about all the damn time. So like I said, I'm really for this team, I'm really just stacking up assets. What I think could be valuable in a couple of years. All right. So coming back on the turn, the second pick in the now sixth round, this team already, as we mentioned before, before your two picks has a lot of wide receivers, has a couple of running backs, I don't feel great about taking maybe another running back here quite yet. I think the value for this team would either be a tight end or quarterback. And I think there's an obvious quarterback to take right now on the board. So this is the spot where I will go Patrick Mahomes. Fourth quarterback taken. I think I take, I took all the quarterbacks up to this point, huh? I think that so. That is correct. Mm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Just the name alone is kind of self-explanatory. He is one of the most fun players to watch, and I certainly don't have a problem having him on my dynasty team right now. He's one of my favorite players, and he's probably the sole reason that I root for the Chiefs after maybe the Packers at this point. I always have like one quarterback that I really find fun to watch and root for outside of my you know, favorite team, and for years it was Peyton Manning. Now it's Patrick Mahomes. All right. Uh, moving forward for me, um, this was a teammate, just a team we were talking about. I took with Antonio Gibson. So I'm going to double up again with another running back and I'm going to surprise you. I think a lot. And I'm taking Zeke Elliott here. Somebody. Wow. Somebody, wow. Somebody that plays, he plays like his injuries. He will play through them and he will be there. A touchdown monster. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year. And I honestly cannot wait for it, especially the people that have heard you talk about him. Like be, please be sure to tuned in. Cause I will be here. I think Zeke Elliott is one of those guys that we just would, we love to write off. We would just love to write off, but I really think there's a lot more left in that tank. And um, for me, if I wasn't rebuilding, like I would love to still have him because I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And if you can get him this late in redraft or you can get him this late in like startup stuff, I think you're going to be very, very happy with what he does this year. Yeah. He's he's getting paid way too much. He's getting paid way too much money for Tony Pollard to just take over that backfield. He just is. Death taxes, a weird plot line that nobody can understand on Westworld and Ezekiel Elliott getting eight touchdowns. Exactly. The constants in life. He's going to score. He's going to score. He just is. Well, he's a very efficient goal line back and you don't think (sighs) that Dallas is just going to drop off a cliff offensively. So at some point it makes sense. And 
given their drop-off with wide receivers this year with Amari Cooper getting traded and Michael Gallup being out with the knee injury, I can imagine them running the ball a lot. So I think that he will get a high level of volume, but I think Pollard will also get a high level of volume this year. And he's probably going to get in the end zone quite a few times. I just don't think he's anywhere near what he used to be. And I don't think he will be on Dallas next year. I just think his quarter or his uh, cap numbers are going to be too huge for Dallas stomach. And it's just going to be a matter of, okay, where does he end up next? And I guess, can he be anywhere close to what he had been? It's, it's clearly a matter that he has hit the peak of his career and he's on the downside of it. Nothing more. All right. So that puts me at pick number four in the sixth round here. Kyle Pitts, Cooper Cup, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and Chris Olave. So I think the obvious thing, since I already have tight end, two receivers, and a couple of running backs, since I don't feel great about the running pool as it stands now, a guy that we've probably overlooked to this point, but again, I think from a value standpoint, since he's gotten back around to me, I will take Garrett Wilson here as the second young wide receiver on this team. See what you're building. That's for sure. Well, it's taking a few different bites at the apple and hoping that, you know, one of them works out kind of in the way that in real life, you, you have now taken on like seven or eight different young wide receivers and they're hoping that three of them work out. Uh, yeah, it's, um, and it's going to work out. You just wait. It is going to work out. I'm on pins and needles. <laughs> I keep things interesting in our league. That is for sure. I mean, realistically, wow. Garrett, Garrett Wilson, he's drafted highly by his team. We know what the stats are on top 10 wide receivers taken and the hit rate that usually ends up from them. And if you get anything out of Zach Wilson this year, it's likely that he's going to be a byproduct at some point, maybe sooner than later. But it's again, it's just youth and taking a couple of bites at the apple with younger wide receivers and hoping one of them hits. Um, so speaking of young wide receivers, um, adding to this team six that I have to add to my crop of young wide receivers that I do have, Stefan Diggs and DJ Moore, I am going to take Cortland Sutton. New quarterback, still a lot of unproven potential left in Cortland Sutton. Really, he's just got to stay on the damn football field. Injuries have kind of been a little bugaboo for him at this point so far in his career, but still very, very young. What's he at? I think he's like 24, 25, 26, 26 years old. Um, so still very, very young, a lot of good football left, and Russell Wilson is in town. I do not mind this pick whatsoever. Had one really great year with Joe Flacco and Drew Locke as his quarterbacks, and he's a big-bodied wide receiver. His depth of target is always going to be great. Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers and one of the most prolific deep ball throwers in the league. He's a great red zone target, so I just imagine that he actually will end up, especially in non-PPR leagues, as a fantasy darling this year, and he's going for a very low, low price. So I actually love this pick, and I just didn't think that I should be the one to make it because I don't want to be too much of a homer. So I could have waited a couple more rounds? Is that what you're saying? Maybe not quite that bad, but... uh... (laughs) 
I, I'm very high on his possibility this year with the new system and the new quarterback on producing to the level that I think he could very well be at. All right, so we have the Cam Akers, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, C.D. Lamb team, which has been all over the place and will continue to be all over the place with this pick, but... This seems like the most win-now team on the board, other than the Traylon Burks pick. So I'm going to take Travis Kelsey here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, the way you're picking for this squad, you better hope it's win-now, right? Well, either that or the bottom will be very swift. (laughs) No, this is a team that's capitalizing on some older veterans and really trying to gear up in the early point with some guys who have finished number one at their position a couple of times, save for maybe a CD lamb. You have a couple of younger wide receivers, but you're really trying to take advantage of some older guys and getting their, I guess, best out of them for one last ride before you kind of rebuild the squad. So there's no place better to go. And I think I've said it a million times on this show than a matchup advantage at tight end. And for maybe the last six, seven years, there's been no better matchup advantage at tight end than Travis Kelsey. All right. Uh, Going to my favorite team, my team four with all this young, fun talent, and I'm just going to keep adding to that. So I am going to take Jamison Williams, a wide receiver from the Lions, who I think would probably be in that number one wide receiver, for sure number two wide receiver talk in this rookie class if he didn't tear his ACL. Somebody that I'm going to have to wait on for a little bit, but probably even a year to be where he um, ultimately, where I ultimately want him to be. But with as young as this squad is, I feel like I can afford um, to wait on him. So I'm going to take Jamison Williams with this uh, pick. Yeah, I don't know if he'd even crack the lineup right now based on the three wide receivers you have in front of him. But I definitely understand continuing in the youth and uh, the potential for this pick. I think both of us had him very highly despite the knee injury and despite going to Detroit as a guy that we thought could be one of the stars of this draft class, particularly at wide receiver. So I'd just like to see what he does post knee injury and, you know, can eventually Detroit get a better quarterback than Jared Goff? I mean, you have to figure at some point if they're going to be truly competitive, they're going to have to move beyond him. He was okay as a game manager last year, but realistically, if you're really going to be a contender, you need somebody that's a little bit better than this guy. And that's going to be maybe one of the limiting factors is Jared Goff is not good deep. And Jamison Williams is one of the most explosive down the field receivers that I think college football has produced in the last few years. All right, so then it is pick eight in the sixth round here. And this team really doesn't have a lot of great young wide receivers other than Justin Jefferson going in the first round. So I actually think that puts this team in in a very good position to take a young wide receiver or two. So I'm going to go with somebody who maybe has snuck down the board a little bit with Amon Ra St. Brown. He is somebody, um, along with Gabriel Davis, that I think the hype has just gotten a little too out of control. I understand what he did towards the end of the season 
and it was very, very, very good. But I myself am not completely there yet. Well, I think there's an argument to be made for Gabe Davis, but I will let that one come up when we get to him and uh, we can decide that one. I'm with you on maybe the doubt on St. Brown, but on the off chance that he is as good as he was to finish last year, and you can afford to take a, you know, minor wide receiver chance on this team, especially with the depth at wide receiver, I think due to his age and how explosive he was down the stretch, you can't really let him slip too much further than this. Yeah. I mean, devil's advocate where you're at. Absolutely. You know, um, maybe you're wrong, but maybe you're right. And if you're right, that sucker turns into a beautiful, beautiful pick. I just myself, I'm not completely there yet, but I've been wrong before, I guess. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, we both Um, have. I won't put that solely on you. (laughs) Team two. Um, a team that I think is um, kind of one of those teams that is that they're in win now mode with Jonathan Taylor, DK, Nick Chubb, Rashad Bateman, Aaron Jones. Um, I'm going to add Kyler Murray to that. Looking for a quarterback. For kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking for kind of a dual threat quarterback, somebody that can run and, uh, and score as well. It's just Kyler. It has been documented now and something that you can for sure use facts for that. Second half of the season just doesn't go as well for him. Starts out super, super hot, uh, but whether it be injuries, whether it be coaching, personally, I think he's got the best coach in the league, but that was for you. That was for you, Tom, because I know how you feel about Cliff Kingsbury. But, um, you know, just somebody that can can rack up points. But I had him on my team last year. Um, there was a lot of frustration in a lot of the games that I had with him, especially towards the end of the year. But. Um, when he's on, he's on and he's, he looks good when he is on. So we'll see. Yeah. Honestly, I was going to go with him at the next pick. So Uh, that was part of my reaction there. We got our first night there. All right. (laughs) So again, the upside is just too high. I think that he runs a little bit too much for my taste as far as health wise. And I agree. I don't like the Kingsbury system. I've been very adamant about that. And I think that over time, it just becomes so vanilla that teams know what to get out of it. But the highs are really high and the lows are going to be pretty high still. Some of the lows though, like there were some games where at halftime he had like three points and it was like, what the hell is going on? But Um, I think there's still the possibility that and you saw it in a couple of playoff runs the last two years that he can have those three point halves. And then he comes out and throws a 70 yard bomb and that's all it takes. It's just, it's a lot. Sometimes he, well, um, he can really try. Yeah, for sure. That's he his, puts in my two years of having Kyler stress level, but <laughs> in my two years of having Kyler, that's what I've learned. He'll try. Yeah. But eventually my hope is, is that he will play for a different coach who knows a little bit more about offensive football that can actually get something out of him. And uh, it'll be a decent pick down the line. Yeah. For me, I'm moving on to that Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. That's where I'm looking to go now. I just saw a mock that had like five quarterbacks in the top 10. Dude, I'm telling you, you were, you are not as high on the 23 quarterback draft class. I think there's a lot of good guys in there besides the top two. We haven't really seen half of these guys play. 
or at Sam. least I haven't seen him play. Most of these <laughs> names they're mentioning are like from Northern Colorado. Who the fuck cares state? <laughs> I don't know. Again, like maybe it's just me because I don't have any picks this year. I don't have a team this year. So like I'm throwing everything into next year. So maybe I'm just super biased. Maybe it is, but I, I don't know. I, I you're, like you're the eternal optimist about the 2023 draft. Every pick that I have in 2023 is going to be the number one pick in fantasy. They're just going to put up number, number one points. It's just going to be that easy. That's just how it's going to go. I get it, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, All right, so the last pick in the sixth round, and then we'll finish up for this episode. So I was going to go quarterback, but I think I can wait till the turnaround to take my actual quarterback. So I will go youth wide receiver on this one and take somebody that you're actually very high on going into this year, and that would be Kyler Murray's probable top target Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I um, I got Hollywood in a trade this year, and then he got traded, and then I was like, holy cow, I really am happy that I got Hollywood in this trade. Um, going back to play with Kyler, being in that type of offense where it's not as um, – I don't know. I feel like in Baltimore he's asked to run more vertical routes. I think in Arizona he's going to be asked to more – run more underneath where um, to use his speed there's going to be a lot more defensive backs chasing him rather than um, chasing him down the field rather than like across the field but I love the landing spot for him in Arizona he had a deceptively very well or very good year last year I think it's under a lot of people's radars kind of cooled off towards the end of the year but um, beginning of the year midway through the year he was he was one of the at least wide receiver two every single week. So uh, I like this pick with Hollywood still very, very young as well. He specifically asked for a trade because of how few passes are thrown in the Ravens offense. He didn't think that he could produce enough to get his next contract. And so he goes to a team that while it runs at the goal line really doesn't throw less than just about any other offense. And so they're going to air it out. And they're missing a lot of targets with, I think, what is it? Eight weeks of suspended DeAndre Hopkins, six weeks, something six, six. six weeks. Okay. And AJ Green got older. Christian Kirk left to Jacksonville. So there's a lot of vacated targets on this offense this next year. And as much as I don't like Kingsbury's offense, and I think that the Cardinals, despite last year, what was it? Nine and zero before they lost to Green Bay on that uh, weird Thursday night game. And they had such a great start last year. I think they're going to struggle to open up, but I think they'll kind of develop as an offense into the middle of the year this year and kind of a role reversal. So I actually think he will get stronger as the year goes along. And it's just another wide receiver that could be the number one on his team going forward on a team with a good collection of talent. All right. So that covers it for rounds five and six. Uh, Let's see here. No, I nothing else left to close. So thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players, as well as the Westworld fans out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again this week for round seven and eight of our summer series startup draft. But until then. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Have a great and fun summer. 
you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com, or you can now message us on the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm or find me on TikTok at TJ3Duncan. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast is mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.